Hi everyone and welcome back to the podcast, So You've Married a Farmer, Now What? Today is the second part of our interview with Caroline from Homesteading Family. If you missed the first episode, be sure to go back and check out some of those fantastic insights into the world of homesteading. Today we delve deeper into marrying a farmer and setting yourself up on the journey of being on the farm as well as creating a homesteading self-sufficient environment. Caroline shares her wisdom on navigating the challenges of adapting to new surroundings and offers valuable tips on making a seamless transition to the fulfillment, fulfilling life of being on the farm. We also explore the topic close to many people's and farming families' hearts, and that is suitable chores and safe chores to be doing with our kids on as a family on the farm. Caroline sheds light on how kids can actively contribute to the farm and homestead, fostering a sense of responsibility and connection to the land. So whether you're a seasoned homesteader or farmer, whether you're beginning for the first time on the land or you're a multi-generational farmer, I really believe that you will find some really good tips, tricks, hacks and find great a sense of harmony in today's interview and story. Um, this is one not to miss out. So let's jump into today's episode. Carolyn, tell me a little bit about moving to your farm for the first time. Well, you know, we had the benefit that we didn't move to a large farm right off. The farm kind of grew with our journey and we created the farm. So that that was a benefit for us. But every time we ended up on a piece of property that was larger and had more infrastructure, you know, I think... I feel like it's kind of like going through labor, right? <laughs> it's like you hit that transition moment where you're just like, I cannot do this. I do not know what I got myself into. There is no way, like, just just end it now. I'm done. I can't do this. And you have this moment of panic. Um, and I like to remind everybody that learning new skills takes significantly more brain space than practicing a skill that you have already learned. So when you get in a position and you're like, I'm trying to learn 10 new things at once, it is so overwhelming to your brain. And it always has been for me, like, you know, every property, it's like you have all these new things that you're faced with that you haven't been faced with before. And you're having to learn them. You're having to adjust what you've already known to make it work in this new location. I mean, baking bread. If you go from elevation in a, you know, humid environment to sea level in a dry environment, you've got an entirely different set of skills that you need for baking bread. It just doesn't work the same anymore. And so even the simple things start this relearning process that you have to learn over again. And so it's just good to remember to be patient with yourself, to be, you know, give yourself a lot of grace and that, 
relearning a skill, learning a skill for the first time just takes so much more brain power. So for me, moving on to new places, I can think of multiple times of sitting and crying and like crying to Josh that all the kids were tucked into bed. I'm like, I can't do this. This is crazy. Why are we doing anything like this? Like, you know, what's wrong with buying your food at the grocery store anyways? That's what most normal people do. <laughs> you know? And And surely, you know, after a few months, I get into the routine, I figure it out, and then it's just like, oh, this is wonderful. I love this. I'm so glad we're doing this. But, you know, it's always overwhelming. It's always new skills. It's always something new. And, you know, that's part of the blessing of living a homesteading life. I get bored easily. I really do. And if I were just stuck in a suburban lot with, I don't know what I'd do with myself. Um, I really am thankful for all of the challenges that come with homesteading. There's always something new, right? Always some animal in the wrong location and something's gone wrong that has to be fixed or, you know, on the good side, some new skill that you get to learn and a new project that you get to take on. And so I just, um, you know, I really love that, but it does take a while for me to transition from the, oh crap, what did I just do to the, um, wow, this is wonderful <laughs> side of things when I, when I get to a new place. So don't worry if you're feeling that way. When you move to a farm, like that's totally normal. You're in good company. You don't need to feel alone in that. Absolutely. <laughs> so Carolyn, you've moved a few times now. Is there a particular system or um, habit that you get into now where you're learning the farm first and then starting to adjust to it or what do you do when you first move to a farm for the first time to sort of get your mind wrapped around what's happening on the farm and and how do I fit into this this location and this climate well you know for me because I'm responsible for such a large family and with 11 kids in tow when we move on to a new property it really I found that every circumstance changes the way we do chores. It changes the way we eat. It changes a lot of things. Um, the timing that we have our schedule based around, we don't, we're not like sticklers for a clock type of scheduling, but we do like to work in order through our day and, um, you know, keep a, a pretty basic order and it all changes. And so what for everything, when I move on to a new piece of property, I, I create what I think think is going to work for us, whether it's a schedule or it's a chore system or it's a feeding schedule or whatever it is. And I give myself two weeks of living with it before anything set in stone. And then at the end of two weeks, I reevaluate and I'm like, yeah, that really didn't work the way I thought it was going to work. I think I need to make more adjustments and I'll make adjustments and then I will try again for another two weeks. And does this work for us? Um, and that, that's just really important for me, one, to be intentional about getting organized in the first place, to sit down, write out who's doing what when. Like, especially if you're going onto a farm that already has pieces in place and it's a working farm, you've got to integrate into the system. So we got to figure out, you know, who's doing what and when are we doing it and how is it getting done and what are the supplies that we need to accomplish it. And, um, you know, you start getting organized with those as quickly as you can, but you need to just give yourself so much grace and flexibility to say, 
I know that what I'm creating right now is the rough draft. It's not the final format, but it's giving me a starting place to try things and to adjust them. So that's always step one for me is get organized the way I think and then adjust. Before we continue with today's episode, I'd love to give a shout out to today's supportive link, Monty Composting Co. The Monty Composting Co. have designed a real-time monitor that helps with your composting. I've moved from a cool climate to a hot, dry climate, and my composting game went out the window. Trying to keep a self-sustaining farm and become more self-aware of the rubbish and things that we produce on farm, the Monty Composting Pro has allowed me to get back into the composting game, reducing waste removal from the farm, as well as creating homemade compost without any chemicals. Its real-time monitoring uses gives feedback every 15 minutes on monitoring temperature, gas and moisture which is then enables us to be able to do real-time composting as a personal coach. It gives an analysis and makes sure there is no smell and no pests. It is customizable depending on your composting method. It saves you time, money and resources. You'll connect your Monty Composting Probe with your smartphone using the app to get your temperatures, readings and suggestions on how to make your composting more efficient and effective. Use the Rural Mum discount code to get 20% off your Monty Composting Probe. Now back to today's episode. Yeah, absolutely. And so no day on the farm is the same. Mm -hmm. But when you're talking about routines, let me know a little bit about yours and your family's routine. What does a, a day look like in your life? Well, at this point, we have a lot of older kids who help. Everybody does chores in our house. Um, and so we, we also homeschool. So we have everybody home all day, which is, you know, a blessing and a challenge at the same time. Um, and so for us, it's really important to kind of hit the morning just right to make sure that the morning goes well, because that just sets the tone for the whole day. So most of the time, everybody's up by six o'clock. Sometimes it's 530. Uh, if you are under 10 years old, you cannot get up before 6 a.m. <laughs> we have kids that want to be up really, really early. And we're like, no, we can't handle that. Like, we need our quiet time, too. So the t um, 10 years old and above can start getting up before six as long as they can be quiet and respectful of everybody else's space in the morning. But then generally everybody's uh, off to their morning chores by about six o'clock in the morning, all the older kids. The younger kids are getting up. They have shorter chores, so they kind of trickle into their chores. And we really look at the homestead and the household as one unit. Um, we find that trying to break apart the home, like here are the farm chores and here are the house chores. He, you know, maybe that works well for a, a business, a commercial farm business, but for a household that's actually living on their homestead and dependent on their homestead, we found that that just doesn't work. And so looking at it as a whole, I break down what are all the jobs that need to be done first thing in the morning. This includes animal care. It includes restocking things. It includes, uh, you know, getting up and getting breakfast in the oven. 
um, all these different things, whatever's needed, gathering the laundry from around the house and, and starting a load of laundry. And so we have this complete list. So everybody gets assigned different things on that list. And so first thing in the morning, everybody knows you get up, you have your personal quiet time, you make your bed, you brush your teeth, you get dressed, you kind of tidy up your room, and then you go straight to chores. Um, and so that just gets going. Our goal is to be done with all the chores, come back to the house um, and clean our areas. We could have jurisdictions. So everybody has an area of the house. They're responsible to clean up, clean those, and be ready for the table for breakfast at 730 in the morning. Usually it happens way faster than that, and the kids are sitting around, and they're like, I'm going to get my lesson of math done already, you know, things like that, um, or they're practicing music or different things. Um, but the goal is, 7.30, everybody at the table. And our table time is the time that we've chosen as a family. We all always come together and sit at the table for breakfast. Even when Josh has to run out the door to the office or different things like that, he makes sure he prioritizes table time. The afternoons for us are just so variable that we just said, we better do mornings. So we get through mornings, then we have something in our house that's called daily chores, and it's different for every person every single day of the week. So it rotates by day. Whereas morning chores, it's like no matter what day it is, Monday through Sunday, it's always the same. You know what? To, you don't even have to wake up all the way to do your morning chores. Like you just have to stumble out to the barn, right? Um, after breakfast, though, we have our rotating chores, and this is where we just do all of the basic house care. Somebody makes bread one day a week. We like to do um, make-ahead breakfast casseroles because I am not a morning cook, and so uh, somebody makes those. One day, somebody makes two baked oatmeals. Another day, somebody makes two French toast casseroles, you know, things like that throughout the week. We also have laundry folding, and, you know, all the basic care of the household goes into that time. Then we come together and we fold laundry together as a family. I usually read, they fold the laundry, and then we get to whatever the work of the day is. And that can be school, in school season, or it can be um, homestead projects. I like to say in our house, we do school every time, every day we don't have something else that has to get done. So in the winter here, we have long, dark winters. We have a lot of school time. But it means when we have nice days where we're like, okay, this is a great day to go ahead and take a break and clean out the chicken coop, we prioritize that and we do that instead. So we do the work of the day there. Um, and the day kind of rolls like that until evening time where we do our evening chores again and then regather for dinner. Beautiful. And you all sit down to have dinner together? Most of the time, that is, you know, you know how it is with kids. Somebody has some activity. We usually try and do family activities instead of individual, but we have enough of that. that I would say five days a week we're sitting down to dinner together. Wonderful. Yeah. And what would you say would be the biggest hurdle moving to the farm? <sighs> the, um, the desire, our, our own desire to get it all done all at once. That yeah. for me is always the biggest, the biggest hurdle. You know, I know probably a lot of you guys are feeling what we're feeling here in the United States is this kind of sense of urgency to be a little bit more self, you know, resilient, a little able to take care of ourselves a little bit better. So I always have this feeling like, you know, I, this should have been done three years ago. Why am I only now getting to it? Yeah. And it's this sense of urgency that I have. 
um, along with a little bit of lack of patience on my side. I'm not a very patient person for processes. And uh, so for me, it's slowing down and working at a human scale, at a human level that doesn't, you know, that prioritizes people and relationships first and doesn't bury those. So we're talking about being human and having grace and working through being sustainable and taking on a little bit more at a time. Lost my train of thought. That's okay. We're, so, we're talking about being human, and I think you are just such a lovely example of that right now. Um, you know, we're talking about human scale and working on human scale, and I think it, you're, you were just such a lovely um, example of that with your children being able to come in and access you while you were doing things. And, you know, when Josh and I started with um, really choosing to live a much more intentional life, we had this thing that we would say to each other to encourage each other. And that was to slow down and let them walk. And this came out of an experience of being places and seeing these parents who wanted to go so fast that they always had their children in the stroller. And then, you know, then you see these children as they're getting older, all of a sudden you've got five-year-olds still in the stroller and they're expecting to be pushed around because they've always been pushed around because the parents don't want to slow down. And so we had this saying we would always encourage each other with, which is slow down and let the kids walk. And it means when you have young children like that, you said your oldest is four. Is yeah. that what you said? Yeah. So you're right in the, you're in the hardest part of the trenches right now. And, you know, when you have those young children, you slow down and you do less, but you always have them work with you and bring them along your side. And then let me tell you, when you've got 15-year-olds, 16-year-olds, 17, I mean, 10-year-olds, all of a sudden, you know, in our house, it's the eight-year-olds who make our bread. Yeah. And they do it all by themselves, 100% by themselves. The 10-year-old makes our pizza dough every single week that we have for pizza night. Um, you know, at six, they're taking care of the chickens. And yeah, they've got oversight. We check in on them, but they're very, very capable because we slowed down and we let them walk when they were two years old. We didn't rush them. We said, okay, well, it'll take us two hours to get through the grocery store if it has to, but we're going to let them walk and let them help pick things and put them in the cart and, you know, let them help dig the weeds in the garden, even though half the time they pull out the carrots instead, you know, <laughs> like slow down and don't hold on to your task so tightly that the kids can't come alongside. I mean, we all have our things where we're like, okay, this stresses me to a level I can't handle if the kids are, you know, back here doing this thing while I'm trying to accomplish something. So we do those things while they're napping and bring them along as soon as they can. But for the vast majority of things, slow down, let them walk and let them join in. And that's just so true on the homestead. Yeah, yes, absolutely. We've, um, we like feeding the curiosity because kids are curious by nature and they want to yeah. learn and they ask lots of questions. So we do something very similar where we, we answer the question. And I know sometimes kids can be quite repetitive, but understanding that's part of the learning process. So yeah. we'll, we'll wind back and, and we'll be the same. Sometimes I'll ask my husband, you know, multiple times about a particular thing happening on the farm. And he'll say, we've discussed this. I'm like, no, I've just got to try and remember it. Let's repeat it so we, so I know what's going on. <laughs> if they ask again, it's because they need an answer again. You know, yeah. unless it's 
can I have candy or something like that? And then we're like, hard no, don't ask again. Like, <laughs> we got this one covered, you know. But if it's an informational thing and they ask again, it's because they they need to know again. They need to hear again. So I agree. That's wonderful. <laughs> so, Carolyn, if you had a friend moving to the farm or the homestead for the first time, what would be your top tips, tricks, and information you would provide to them to start them off? So I think what I said last time is probably my number one. Focus on getting your the inside of your home in order and working well first, especially in your kitchen. Learn the skills that you need on the inside first before you venture out too far and make sure your household's actually working like clockwork, which is so important because you're only going to be bringing in more chaos, more challenges, more fun, you know, when you start doing all of the other things. And then progress slowly. When, it, when it's the middle of winter and you're planning what new things you're going to do this year, um, it's really easy to be like, and I'm going to do this, and I'm going to extend the garden, and I'm going to plant this thing, and I think we need an orchard, and we're going to get chickens. And it's like, you know, you can do everything when you're sitting on your couch in the middle of the winter and looking at all the catalogs of all the fun stuff. Um, but when push comes to shove, you don't want to be learning that many skills all at the same time. So take on projects slowly and wait till you feel like you have a grasp on one before you add the next one. That, not all of them take forever. That can mean, you know, do something for two weeks and then you're ready to move on to the next thing. But try to focus on one thing at a time before you um, overload yourself. That way you don't ever feel overwhelmed or like you're having to not give your family the attention that it needs. Yeah. Those, those are probably my number one top tips for people on that, you know. Um, and I say that over and over again to all my friends, slow down, slow down. <laughs> I know it's hard to do, but slow down. Don't do it quite so much. <laughs> it is very hard to do. <laughs> and uh, I can definitely agree with the, the couch setting up for what, what were the expectation for the year is going to be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that would be a really good one. If if I had one more to add to that, it is be over communicate with your spouse or your partner um, about what you're doing, what your goals are, what your plans are, what everybody's hopes are. The more you can work out on the couch in the winter or whenever it is that you're doing the planning, the easier everybody's life is in the spring. Josh and I very type A, both very strong personalities. And the amount of times we've been like, you know, forming up the garden beds and ended up in a heated discussion over what is going to go right here. You know, it's like, <laughs> this does not need to happen like this. Let's save ourselves the stress and just pre-plan it before we're in the moment and make sure we're all on the same page. And that, that gives you a moment to like, hear the other person, hear where, what their desires are, what their goals are, and, you know, see how the, the two peoples can be interwoven there. And that's just, we do the same thing with our older children. Um, starting at, at about teenager, they get to join in what we call as homestead huddle. It's once a month, and we just really take their feedback. Um, this is where they're like, this is, you know, this thing out in the barn is driving me crazy. It makes me angry every day. We really need to fix it. 
um, or I really don't like this chore. Please, next time, can I have a different chore? Or this is going really well. Or, you know, we have one daughter who just said, I really want milk goats. Can I have milk goats? You know, and she did all the research. And that was really her place to say, this is what I want to see happen on the homestead. And so, you know, making sure that you're getting feedback from the people. Yeah, absolutely. I find if they're curious enough and passionate enough about a project like that, then with a little bit of supervision, even my younger kids, even with supervision on that, if they're passionate about that project, they can stick to it. I had always wondered whether, you know, the longevity of that project and sort of looked at it as if, well, after a few weeks, um, am I going to be able to, as the mum, handle taking on that project? But the longevity, if, if someone, if one of the kids is interested in a project and it's within the means, then oh, absolutely let it, let it run. Yeah, definitely. Josh has a great way of handling it. And he always says, well, you know what your sister did when she wanted something? She went and she got the, the best books she could find and she read them all and she gave me all the notes and told me what we'd need. And so now we've had multiple kids who this is the way they show that they're really interested is they go and thoroughly research it and like, give Josh the plan. Here, here's what we would need to accomplish this. Here's how I see it working. And, you know, sometimes that's in very rudimentary form, depending on the age of the child. Um, but if they're still serious about it after they've done all that work, then that's, that's a real show that, okay, they're, they're going to stick with it and they're going to make it happen and we're ready to get behind it and really give them the opportunity. Beautiful. And Carolyn, how do you move around your acreage with your 11 children? I get a lot of questions about how families can really sink in to farm and homesteading life together. So how do you operate on your acreage with your family? Yeah, so again, we just really make it a point to see the, the homestead as the same as the household. Um, they're not separate things. So for me, what Josh and I do actually twice a year is we sit down and we make a list of everything that needs to get done. And then we kind of assign it to the appropriate person. Yeah. Um, and so and then we give, of course, time to be able to do that in the chore times. Um, so some things come to me, some things go to Josh, some things go to the kids, you know, different ages. And so that helps us all working on accomplishing the same thing. But what we find is really important to getting the kids kind of synced into that. One, taking their feedback. Before we decide on chores, we always go around the table and we give everybody a chance to say one thing they'd love to do and one thing they would not like to do. And we try to honor that the best we can. It doesn't always work out. We always tell them off the bat, like, no guarantees, but we'll try. Um, and, you know, we have multiple chore times a day, so they don't get an opinion about everything because even as adults, we don't get opinions about everything we get. To. We have to do the laundry whether we want to or not, right, <laughs> as moms. <laughs> and so, um, you know, it's good to learn the skill of doing a chore that we're not crazy about. And yet we want to make sure they feel like they have a voice into it. But the other thing we do is we really take time to um, celebrate together. Every time, you know, you have those moments, you look at your plate and you're like, you know, look at the three things on this plate that we raised or more often than not now, we're like 
everything on this plate except for the salt is from our property. And we raise it and we take the time, right? I mean, like at least once a week, we sit and we're like, yeah. And remember when you guys were out picking the green beans and this happened and that's in this. And then, you know, this person did this. And then somebody else was churning the butter that we used to saute the vegetables in. And we really like go back and pull out all of those moments where everybody worked. And here we are sitting, enjoying this meal together. And this has become kind of a family tradition. And I think it's just so important because it's easy to work, 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 work. But if you don't stop and appreciate what you've accomplished and you don't do it as a team, then you really lose something. And and it's that feeling that we need to be a team. Um, You know, we have older kids now who have full-time jobs. And so it's like, how do we make this work for them without making them like, gosh, I got to do all this work and then I got to do all that work. Like, what's the benefit for them? And make sure that they're always seeing the benefit. The other side of it is make sure you're educating your kids on why. Um, We've started instilling a documentary night. It's the best way we could think of, of like to consistently get them aligned with what we've thought. And we've gone back and watched the older ones that Josh and I saw at the beginning of our journey and, you know, make sure that they're clued into the issues and that, you know, this just isn't some weird hobby that mom and dad have that, you know, all the rest of people, everybody else goes and plays and we work because this is just a hobby. Um, but that this is for a real reason. And we've seen that really come to fruition. Our children really have this sense of this is we are doing this for a reason and it's for our good and it's for the good of our community and for our nation um, and for the world. And that just is so important to really instill that deeper sense of why. Yeah, absolutely. And I really um love looking at our plate we do the same thing here on the farm and be like yes this came from the orchard this came from the veggie garden this came from you know one of the steers that and uh or one of the pigs you know we love doing that as well and it really does breed appreciation for yourself because as you've said we are so busy all the time doing all the things (laughs) that we need to do on farm and with the kids and it is Sometimes you'll go, oh, you know, I didn't stop and appreciate that. Or did I thank, you know, everyone who needs to be thanked about being here on the farm and really enjoying life and raising our kids. So I love that you said stop and appreciate it and talk that through. And, yeah, absolutely. Sometimes when, you know, we'll go to educate our kids on something and it brings to the forefront of your mind again, yep, this is our mission. This is why we're doing this This is why we're choosing this lifestyle. And I absolutely love that. Yeah. It's so important, you know, and making the working together fun too. Yeah. That, you know, that used to be a time of fellowship and now, now we just kind of, you know, isolate people oftentimes in the work instead of seeing working together, you know, everybody puts their headphones on or they do their own thing. And it's like, no, let's put those down and I'll sing a song together. And sometimes that feels so hokey, honestly, especially if you have older kids and they're like, Oh my gosh, you've got to be kidding me, mom. But (laughs) after a while they get into it and then they have these great memories. Yeah. We were all like picking raspberries together and singing. And how cool was that? You know, 
Um, so, you know, that that's so important in documenting that process so that you look back in. We do annual photo shows in our house on New Year's Eve. We take like all the photos of all the fun things we did during the year. And, and you know, those moments of everybody singing together, like a little video of that comes up and they instantly have good feelings about that instead of just like, oh, it was so hot and the bugs, and the you know, thorns and all of this. And that's just so valuable, just really connecting with those good moments. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Carolyn, thank you very much for coming on the farm today and talking about moving to the farm and setting up a homestead. We've really enjoyed having you here and we have learned so much. I'm sure the rest of the community will walk away learning lots of new tips, tricks and stories that they can implement on their farm and their homestead. So thank you so much for that. Yeah, it's been so wonderful to be here. For those who have really enjoyed today's interview and story, I hope that you'll like, subscribe and hang around to spend a bit more time with us. Thank you very much. Mm -hmm.